I'm ready. I'm born ready. This is not three is the magic number. This is take four to idiots. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Oh, what a calamitous time. Hello and welcome to three is the magic number, the podcast where we bring on guests to talk about their top three favourite things in a subject of their choosing. My name is Renfrey Deadman and joining me as ever is my fuzzy faced friend, Mr. Matthew Hughes. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm good this time, and I'm good the time we tried to record this about five minutes ago, and I'm good also the time we tried to do it a little while before that as well. I'm good. Uh, I have less fuzz. People who know me through my actual real life and my face know that I had a little beard trim, and I think I look pretty damn dapper. It's, you're looking very, very good. Very, very good indeed. Mm-mm-mm. As Matt says, this is our fourth time we've attempted this intro. For comedy of errors, uh, trying to get this. Song. All technology fails, I'd like to say. None of them were All old us. man technology fails. Turn yeah, it on I, and I off again, etc. I don't think we're to blame at all. I mean, my SD card no. failed and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. It's not important or interesting. i tell you what is interesting, though. Our guest on this week's show. And yeah. that is Anaya Lee from the band Zulu. Now, my goodness me, Zulu released their debut album, A New Tomorrow, earlier this year. And it's a really incredible half an hour journey through the history of black music with the foundation of hardcore. Is that too grand a thing to say? No, well, I mean, probably not. It's a very good record uh, filled <laughs> filled with um, incredibly interesting music and yeah, brilliant musicians. And I think... Obviously, I'm not obviously, obviously you because you know, but I work with Zulu and Mm. I was so excited to get this record and work this record and have this record out. And I think, you know, I think Anaya is extremely talented and the band are amazing. And I I saw them, we mentioned this in the podcast, I, I saw them for the first time last year at Outbreak Festival and they were incredible. They were amazing and so much fire and so much ferocity and groove and they're just yeah it's a wonderful record and anyone that has any passing interest in hardcore i guess loosely stemmed broad termed hardcore should should check it out Mm, it goes to a lot of different places though it's very 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 eclectic yeah you have spoken word and Mm hip-hop and jazz and soul and there's 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 a lot of stuff in there yeah, it's a real it's a real tour de force and a, a fantastic album. It was really wonderful to finally meet Anaya. I mean, again, you know, an anecdote I go into in the show, so I won't talk about it too much. But I first saw him in a band called The Bots, supporting Refused back in 2012. I thought it was 2011, and I thought it was 2013. Turns out we were both wrong. And they stayed with me so much in my mind too kids effectively like teenagers coming out on stage and there's a lot of chuck berry duck walking and they were really a sensational band and to remember that show after the refused show which you know probably remains one of my favorite shows of all time it's quite incredible really so 
yeah, to finally get an opportunity to sit down and talk with Anaya was really, really pleasant. It felt like a nice full circle thing. Of course, you worked with him on the bots as well. So it was nice to do this. And the other reason it was nice to do this for us, especially as we know that Anaya is a very, very big Star Wars fan. And we were pretty certain that he was going to choose a Star Wars pick. And he did not disappoint. No, he did not. And I've, I mean... I pride myself, pride myself. <laughs> I have always thought of myself as being a very, very big Star Wars fan. And, yes. Uh, I mean, Anaya's picks are, well, for first off, they're great. And um, and his knowledge runs deep, like deep, deep, deep. deep. And um, yeah, I was totally schooled. I, I absolutely Same. do not now, I really don't feel like I have anywhere near the grasp of Star Wars knowledge and fandom than I thought that I did. Um, yeah. But since since this chat, I have endeavoured to learn more about this fictional universe yeah. that I thought I loved and I bought more graphic novels and I started watching some more TV shows that I didn't catch the first time around. But yeah, it was yeah. an awesome chat. Yeah, I felt a little foolish at points during this mm, chat. And that's, that's the word, not foolish. An... That's a very, very good word <laughs> yeah. to say, foolish. And that is that is not on Anaya, that is totally on me. Um, but I, there were times where I was like, oh yeah, how the hell did I miss that? <laughs> this is Anaya Lee on his top three favourite Star Wars characters very quickly, Matt. These choices, these are deep choices for the most part. Right? Yeah, chef's kiss, I mean... And I think <laughs> I think we mentioned it in the um, in the main pod chat, but I when we did a pilot for this podcast that no one has heard, yeah. and unlikely ever will. Maybe they, I don't know. Maybe they will. But basically, my top three topic choice was the top three Star Wars universe characters, and my picks were so normy the norm norm compared to Anaya's deep cuts that um, I was embarrassed to tell him what my my three were. Um, yeah, his characters are great. Like, really interesting, really well thought out. He knows so much about them. He's able to articulate the reasons why he likes them and how he likes them so well. It's it's such a joyous, especially if you're a Star Wars fan, it's such a joyous chat. Um, I mean, I will say, and I'm sure you'll also back me up, there are many spoilers mm-hmm. happening, dropping left, right and centre. Piao, 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 piao. So if yes. you are of the persuasion of being a Star Wars fan or maybe wanting to be a Star Wars fan and maybe not wanting to know some spoilers, mainly around the Rebels TV show, the Clone Wars TV show, then I would maybe avoid this, go and watch everything and then come back and enjoy it. I think that's all the admin out of the way. So uh, without any further ado, let's get into this top three Star Wars characters with Anaya Lee from Zoom. Good to go, Anaya. Yeah, ready to go. Where are you talking to us from, Anaya? I'm in uh, Los Angeles right now. LA. Oh, my house. That's exciting for us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. Coming you down. Mean? We're in London. We're in South London. Exciting South London. I'm more excited by LA than London, personally. Yeah, I think it, it goes the it goes the opposite way. I'm like, oh, that's exciting. But I, I've been over. I've been over there. You have, you have indeed. Let me come in on this and introduce the listeners. Hello, my name is Renfrey Deadman. Welcome to Three is the Magic Number. Joining me as ever is my fuzzy-faced friend, Mr. Matthew Hughes. How are you doing, Matt? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. I have a slightly 
tickly throat just to warn viewers uh listeners not viewers you're not watching us you're just using your ears um so i'm gonna sound a little bit more croaky than normal but apart from that i'm very good thanks how are you Ramfrey? i'm very very well but i'd like to introduce that very deep voice that is coming down the line from los angeles california which is exciting to us less exciting to him but is exciting to us we are speaking to anaya lee from the band zulu how are you today anaya i'm good Thank you. I didn't. I didn't realize I had a a, a deep voice. You've got wild. a super deep voice. Do you know what, man? Part of the reason why I am conflating you with having a deep voice, whether uh, whether I should be or not. The last time I saw you, you were supporting Refused in a band called The Bots. And I have to say, I was so goddamn impressed with you then. I mean. Can I ask you how old you were back then when you were in the bots, like 2011, something like that? Um, that's a good question. Well, I'm pretty sure that Refuse tour was uh 2013, and I probably was you might be right somewhere in the. You know, I should I could honestly just look this up. I I <laughs> should know this just off top. I was probably 16, going on 17, yes, 16. I was 16 on that tour. The bots were this, I mean, Matt, you can help me out here because um, you used to help out with the bots and stuff like that. Phenomenal two-piece. And you guys Thank came you. on and just completely wiped the floor with the whole, like we were all just like, holy moly, what the hell is this? And it was just absolutely incredible. So I was really excited to hear that you're uh, doing new stuff and you've got loads of new projects and bits and pieces on, on the go. And the new Zulu album is really fantastic. So it's really, really lovely to speak to you properly about 10 years later. Yeah, it actually is kind of wild to think that that was a decade ago. It trips me up still, but I never stopped doing music, though. Yeah, you were at that show, weren't you, Matt, if I recall? So me and Anaya go back quite a, quite a way, don't mm, we? Yeah. I mean... I dragged Anaya out to the UK when he was very young uh, to tour with Tellison. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, 15, yeah. that was 15 Goodness years. Me. Yeah, yeah. Another band I love. Uh, so, yeah. And then I guess, you know, I kind of was, was around helping you and your brother out through that craziness. You guys touring with Blur and Tenacious D and doing Africa Express and... I mean, it was a crazy few years. It was wild. I, I look back on that time and I'm just like, wow, that was the, like, at the time they were really amazing things, but even reflecting on it years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I had that in my, you know, we, we, we did that and that's something that I could say was done. I don't really talk about it though, you know, now like people <laughs> like find out about it kind of later. I feel like I'm embarrassing you now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Some some people obviously know like all the bands I've been in, and then some people only know me from being in Zulu. So yeah, yeah. But people like to dig and look at history. You know, people like to know what other people have done, and so when they do it for me and they find that out, then they come up to me and say, "You did this." this? I'm like, "Yeah," and a lot of people are like, "Why don't you talk about it?" I'm like, "I already did it." Like I don't. <laughs> yeah. I already... Yeah. Yeah. I already did it. I, like, I, I just don't boast. That's never been me. You know what I mean? I would have never made the connection. In fact, I went to Matt and said, do you know this band Zulu? They're amazing. And Matt said, yeah, I work with them. And you realise that's um, one of the guys from the bots. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, and this was a conversation we had like six months ago. And, you know, that basically prompted us to go, well, we've got to get Anaya on. Before I saw Anaya last year at Outbreak Festival, when I saw you very briefly, when, yeah. you, when you arrived with on your bus 
uh, well, van. You arrived in your van and were like, hey, how's it going? I've not seen you for ages. Oh, I'm just going to be one sec because we're supposed to be on stage in a minute. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, literally, like, ran straight on stage and played and were amazing and totally fucking amazing. And I think, I'm trying to think, the last time before then I saw you was when you guys played Old Blue Last, I think, like, again, like a, a long, 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 long time ago. Yeah, that was literally a long, that was, wow, it trips me out. It just trips me out because I'm like, time really did go by in that regard. But yeah, that was, yeah, I remember Outbreak, I remember when we saw each other, I was like, oh, man, it actually felt like it was a long time because it was. But yeah, we were late. We were late to Outbreak. We were very late. It was not our fault either. Yeah, I felt really bad. I could see that you were trying to get, you wanted to say hello, but you wanted to go on stage. And uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like you guys. And then there was the guys from Drug Church. I think that's the thing with Outbreak. Well, just hard, well, I mean, you know way more than I do, but at hardcore shows or events, I mean, bands just want to go watch other bands. So Yeah, of course. The, the kind of, the, the, that kind of like visual of a bunch of bands watching another band happened the entire weekend because everyone was up watching bands or they wanted to get on stage or they wanted to fucking get in the pit or they wanted to do something you know so it was just like three or four days of just everyone from from every band wanting to get involved you know like sammy from drain turning up with scowl and some show me the body like julian turning up but it was just yeah it was of course awesome. no, i love it i love that uh, the connections everyone has with each other that's the best part that's the hardcore community isn't it i think i think yep. that's a large part of it however we could actually talk about this all day but we're not actually here to talk about that we are actually here to talk about a subject close to both mine and Matt's heart, and it's clearly very close to your heart too, Anaya. Listeners, just so that you know how obsessed Anaya is with uh, this particular subject, he signs off all of his emails. May the force be with you. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's the uh, yeah, that's my that's my stamp. It's always been it's been my stamp. For years. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I loved, by the way, and and like I thought, oh well, that's appropriate for this conversation. Anaya, would you like to tell us what topic you have chosen? Top three Star Wars characters. I think listeners already know that Matt is a huge Star Wars fan. I am a huge, Indeed I am. huge, huge Star Wars fan. I think we're both beginning to realise that there is a large part of the uh, Star Wars oeuvre that neither me or Matt have really focused in on. And we'll probably get to talk about quite a bit of that today. But before we get into that, I'd just like to ask you, how difficult was it to bring it down just to three choices? Well, I have two of them tattooed, so... That wow. was the, that was how I knew. I was like, I I should definitely talk about these two, and the other cool. one was just kind of like a, it it got actually so overwhelming. I was like, uh, there's too many, and I looked over at my Star Wars wall, and I was like, yeah, no, I, I'm just gonna have to just choose one because if I if I keep thinking about all these characters, I'm just not gonna choose one. So when Matt came to you asking you to be on the show, was it? obvious straight away that you would be doing something star wars themed that was the first thing i thought of but it was definitely i didn't know it could have been a story it could have been characters it could have i have a hard time trying to break down like something star wars related to hone in on because it's such a big galaxy and i love so many things about it i was like well this is the most probably the easiest thing to to get into I mean, I'm not going to mention your picks, obviously, because we can get into that in the chat. But I was just really pleasantly surprised. Makes it sound like I'm patronizing, but it's not because we I actually did a we did a pilot for the podcast where we both got to choose 
you know, a top three of our own and, and talk about it. And I chose top three Star Wars characters. And my picks are the most normiest norm picks of any Star Wars. I mean, not quite Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, but they were very, very... So the fact that you're bringing some of these characters, some of whom I only know kind of a little bit from comic books and, and, and uh, some of the, the, the TV shows. But um, yeah, really, really pleasantly surprised really excited about some of your picks you know really excited for you to talk about these characters and what they kind of mean to you oh yeah no, i'm excited too people know that i'm a star wars fan people like i it's i think it's a well-known fact i i don't think people know that i'm like really into it they know like at the very least that it's a well-known fact that i like star wars like but i don't think people know i take a lot of time to researching reading all that, you know. I think by the end of this chat, people are going to realise that you go in pretty deep on Star Wars. <laughs> Definitely. Oh yeah. Oh, just, yeah. just from your choices alone, frankly. So yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm an, I'm an avid fan. I know over there in, in London, I'm pretty sure that you guys just had Star Wars celebration. Yes, we did. Yes. Yes. Lots and lots of, it. lots and lots of friends with their, you know, other halves and their kids mm. and their whatevers. Mm. You know, yeah, lots of lots of friends of mine have, have, have been along. I didn't get to go, unfortunately, but yeah, it looked amazing. I considered going. I went... Um, really? really? Wow. I went last year because they, they held it out and they, they hold it in a different place every year. But um, last year was in Orange County. So I went. I went and Fantastic. It was an amazing time. I w the only reason I wanted to go this time was because I knew what they were going to be announcing formally, but... It's all good. I got to see a video of it and it would have been a really expensive trip. So I was just like, yeah. you know what? I'll just wait until the videos come out. Do you dress up when you go to Star Wars Celebration? No, I, I am not that good at creating outfits. The people always create their own outfits and I'm just like, that's amazing. But it would, <laughs> I just don't have that skill. I need to get that <laughs> skill because I do like the idea of dressing up. Yeah, it's just not in your wheelhouse yet. Yeah, building building an outfit the way people do. They got they some people have just the most wild creativity. You'll have to give up a band before you can get into that. I think. I mean, you've got two full time seamstress. Bands. Yeah, that's the yeah. next. That's the next transition <laughs> from Zulu to seamstress. I would love to. I, I really wanted to uh, at some point learn how to properly sew. I know how to like do basic sewing, but like to be able to do that where people create insane costumes and like that's the next wave i think the creativity is astonishing in some of it and the way that it, they're put together it's it's really it really is something awesome i remember yeah. just a side note story when we were when i was very young there was like a school fancy dress and uh i can't remember what i went as i think i went out something something completely stupid but um a really good friend of mine genuinely called david staines david god love you he went david staines David Staines, big up David Staines. And he went as C-3PO. <laughs> and I think his mum had just put him in a gold sheet with a belt, stuck like a tray, like a dinner tray on his chest and sprayed it gold and then sprayed his face gold. And he just turned up like <laughs> just with like toxic paint sprayed onto his face from his mum. And he wore glasses too. So he had these like white circles around his eyes he didn't win david Staines did not win that day i'm afraid yeah that, that outfit i mean the, I, I like the, i appreciate you know the mom trying the best exactly we, we all appreciate the mom's trying right exactly okay well without any further ado shall we get into your first choice anaya 
Yes. First person we'll talk about is this Jedi named Kanan Juris. He was a Jedi during the uh, Galactic Republic that was one of the survivors from Order 66. And he went on to go into hiding and he was a part of one of the early rebel cells that eventually stemmed out into becoming what people know as the Rebel Alliance. He was in early, 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 the early stages of that when there was just little groups throughout the galaxy going against the Empire, stealing from them, damaging ships, whatever, whatever. They were doing the, they were him and a couple of his comrades and he kept it really low key that he was a Jedi. You know, you could see him in the show Rebels. A lot of people did not like that show, but like really big Star Wars fans that love the the animated stuff. Like if you were a big Clone Wars fan, you probably would have watched Rebels and probably would have been disappointed. But if you had just went through the first season, you would have been like, okay. Yeah, it took it took me like the first time I, I watched it, I was like, I'm not a fan. But it took me watching it like that first season to be like, all right, yeah, I'm a fan. And it's more so for the story than any than the animation. He really, you know, he was one of the survivors and now they're you know disney is trying to get on board with focusing on different survivors like they had reva and uh the obi-wan series you know star wars video games with cal kestis yes i think kanan was one of the first to get like that shine outside of books and outside of comics like to get it on the screen talking about their story post Order 66. So that's kind of why I like, it. I like it the most. This is interesting. We were talking about this, myself and Renfrey earlier. I don't know if it's a generational thing. So I, I saw Star Wars. I didn't see Star Wars in the cinema. I'm not quite that old, but I did see Empire Strikes Back when I was like four or five. And that was the first time I went to the cinema. And I think a Star Wars fan like me is very much rooted in that traditional movie being released. You wait five, six, seven years another one is released and then obviously we had to wait a long time for the the prequels to be made so i didn't get that into i didn't really get into clone wars and i didn't get into rebels yeah but i like i like loads of those characters and i've kind of gone back and and read a lot of these new really good marvel comics and graphic novels now i do know a bit about kanan just because i've just started to watch the bad batch and yeah the scene at the beginning when you're kind of introduced and the order 66 of the clone troopers turning on the jedi is amazing and that first episode totally got me hooked so i'm kind of like i'm in there now with the bad batch and i think i feel like i'm going to go back to watch the clone wars and maybe the rebels but i do know friends that have watched rebels and said it is a bit of a slog the stories are great but animation it is yeah that's what that's what turns people off on it and yeah i you know that's the thing it is sometimes uh, i think a generational thing because it is you know, people that grew up watching the original trilogy as opposed to, like, people that grew up watching the prequels and then I got the cartoons to go with it. But I think, you know, a Star Wars fan is a Star Wars fan, and I think people yeah. that come from that generation where they grew up watching the originals, when they do get the time to watch the cartoons and stuff, they appreciate it a lot. That's yeah. something I've, I've found a lot with, like, folks that were traditionally just into the uh, original trilogy but the original trilogy you know that's that's its own you, you can't touch that trilogy it's you know it's legendary so but a lot of the stuff they do now is also really good and i think there's so much lore which is why like you could just go on forever 
talking about it, digging into it, reading it. It's so much. Even I, I have a hard time trying to trying to stay up to date on all that stuff. And there's stuff from the 90s into the early 2000s. To, they're still just making stuff. So you can go in forever about it, you know. I would echo Matt's sentiments in terms of like the generational thing, because, again, I'll have to confess that I haven't really seen any of the animated. I haven't seen any of the Clone Wars. I haven't seen any Rebels. And it's interesting what you said there, Anaya, about the animation style. Like, I don't think you said it directly, but you kind of inferred that the animation style like puts people off a bit. Less so with Rebels, maybe, but certainly the Clone Wars... I mean, it's such a silly reason not to watch something, really. But I was just like, oh, I really... I think it's something you have to get used to, that animation style. You do have to. But I think also... (laughs) I mean, this is probably an interesting point to talk about, about sort of different attitudes towards the prequels, of course, because I'm well aware, and I'm sure Matt is as well, the prequels have really been reevaluated and stuff since we've had a generation come through who grew up with them and have a far, let's say... Um, better relationship with the prequels and I mean I've gone back to the prequels since and I do see merit in them and so on and so forth but there was so much stuff out at the time about how how disappointed old and hardened Star Wars fans at the time were with those films I think that's beginning to change now you've got shows like Obi-Wan which has been a massive success and was very very good which obviously touches on that part of the star wars canon and all this sort of thing so i think that attitude is beginning to change but i think as someone who you know i was uh 14 when the phantom menace came out and i went to the went to the cinema to see it i saw it in imax and all this sort of thing and um i thought it was fine but overall was quite disappointed by it so i think it's almost like that association thing potentially which is maybe why there's that reluctance too. I mean, I I went to see Phantom Menace at twelve o'clock showing the day it was released, dressed right. as Obi Wan Kenobi, like a badass, like an absolute <laughs> legend, and I adored it. I was oh, right. so it was basically it was a back to back showing, so it was twelve o'clock till two, and then you waited, and then you went back in at two o'clock in the two thirty in the morning and saw it again. So maybe oh. it was I was so tired and I was high on e numbers and popcorn, <laughs> but I was totally swept away. I really loved it. Obviously, you watch it after that and you realize it's 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 a massive bag of balls <laughs> do you feel that towards the phantom menace and or do you feel differently um i actually was a big fan because well i was like four when it came yeah, out my God. So, yeah so i remember i remember yeah i was a part of that generation that where that was our trilogy yeah so of course, of course. you know we all well, a lot of people were hating on it which I, I understand why it was corny, it was cheesy. I I get it. But from a storytelling aspect, it was actually amazing. It was actually mm. one of the... Yeah, I mean, lay, laying down that groundwork, those blueprints, I think that was the exciting yeah. thing. And I think, this, I think the trilogy got, trilogy got better. But what Definitely. I do really like about it when you go back is all of these stories that have, you know, then gone on to be the Clone Wars and, you yeah. know, Bad Batch and, and you know, those yeah. kind of... Like you were saying, that's the, the whole the legend and, and all these amazing characters. I mean, Canon, I mean, I, I don't really know much about him, but I did a bunch of reading and I mean, his story is bonkers. Like his 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 arc from like, yeah. you know, being that young Padwan uh, and seeing his kind of like, you know, master slain, spoiler, 
Sorry, it happens. <laughs> if you don't know, oh, it, now, it, you're, you're... yeah, it came out it a long time ago. Quick. Yeah, 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 and and then and then his kind of arc from like hiding and traveling the world, and I mean, he does all sorts of crazy things and meets all sorts of crazy people. Like it's it that that's the side of Star Wars that I love. You know, you scratch that surface, and you know, I think I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. I'm a pretty, you know, but I some of these stories, some of these arcs, I you know, I don't know anything about. So reading about them gets me so incredibly excited. Yeah. And like I said, I just started the Bad Batch and I know the animation's similar to uh, Clone Wars, but I think it's really good. I think it's really it, like they've properly stepped it up and it's really dark. And it's also a bit more adult, maybe like they're not particularly nice people, the Bad Batch. Well, one of them definitely isn't. Yeah, it, it is. I think it is the same uh, animation as the Clone Wars. They just, uh, through the years, it just got revamped. Do you think it's fair to say that the uh, animation series and the TV spin-offs and, and the books, I think, in particular, can have a bit more license to be more risky with the material? From what I know, and I've read a few of the books and there's some of the video games, especially like Knights of the Old Republic and stuff that I used to play, which definitely touches on that stuff. But do you think that they can take more risks with that stuff generally and that's what makes them more exciting for like hardcore star wars fans yeah i think so i think they could they could do kind of whatever and i mean i think yeah. it's always been very risky it's always been very like you know planets getting taken over and they highlight on a lot of things that kind of can be compared to things that happen over here in the real world yeah corrupt politicians over policing you know totalitarianism it's like they do all that in Star Wars. Yeah. But it is very gnarly. Star Wars stuff is gnarly as heck, you know? Yeah. I've always found that's what great science fiction does, really. Holding up a mirror to things that are happening. It's interesting that Star Wars has gone into that now because the original trilogy, the stuff that I'm most familiar with and stuff that I love the most, I don't I don't feel like did any of that. It was more like a Flash Gordon serial thing, as, you know, George Lucas said a lot. That was like his main inspiration and... I'm sure, like, if you really, really thought about it, like, you could, you could definitely make those parallels if you really wanted to. But I think they have focused in on quite specifically trying to make those parallels more so. That's something that I have really enjoyed since Disney have taken over Star Wars. I think, which is true, they have been. But I think the original trilogy did the same thing, though. They just didn't. Just people okay. were so enamored with the, you know, lightsabers and all this stuff. But at this end of it. It's still the empire and a group of people trying to uh, rebel against a uh, oppressive state, and that's like really what the whole trilogy is. And yeah, you know, obviously it mixed in with like some. I think George Lucas took from Greek mythology, and he took from yep. he took from a bunch of different a influences. Whether you know, yeah. obviously with the Jedi, he took from like a samurai culture, and he took Flash Gordon, and then just made it yeah. into this space saga but at the end of the day they're going up against a dictatorship and that was the empire who was also you know when you think about it a heavily racist regime in the sense that or speciesist because they they never they never uh, employed other species they only employed humans i never even noticed that yeah i feel yeah, like you... an absolute buffoon now no yeah. no it, it, <laughs> it's something that like you, once you once you um and obviously they highlight on that more and more when you dig into yeah. the shows and stuff. But as a whole, I'm like, there's obviously, there's a bajillion species there, but like the empire only messes with humans. And they think that humans are superior to everyone else. You know, kind of similar to, and even the way they move with their soldiers and stuff, 
similar to yeah. different groups in history and how they operated. Th- that imagery right at the beginning of Return of the Jedi. I mean, that's clearly yeah. Nazi rallies adjacent, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. A lot of red. There's a lot of you know marching. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, and, you know, and then yeah. and then yeah. they really hit it on um, spot on when uh, the sequels came out, and then that mm. first uh, what was it episode uh, seven. Force Awakens, Force Awakens when they when they yeah. had a uh, was it General Hux was hmm. talking to all the stormtroopers and they were all just lined up in that snowy in that snowy planet. That was definitely I was like yeah with the flags and stuff. This looks pretty similar to some Nazi stuff. They definitely lead into it, don't they? Yeah. I think they do. I think one of the interesting things that I've always liked with Star Wars and this I think even from the the first three is they embrace characters that aren't clear cut they embrace characters that you know maybe don't sit on one side of a fence you know Mm. they can be they can be kind of multi-sided and i think a lot of the original trilogy characters are like that Um, i mean obviously you have like kind of the very good and pure droids you know your kind of narrators but a lot of the other characters like han solo you don't really know where he sits or someone else like darth vader the arc of the character changes quite drastically i think they've always sort of embraced that side of things i think just i guess after that first trilogy with more money and the success they're just able to do it a lot more with a lot more characters through tv shows and more films and stuff i think it's more obvious with the new stuff and 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 like you said there and i like the force awakens is the first time when i really noticed it and i'm sure if i went back now and kind of looked for it in the original trilogy i'm sure i could be like oh actually yeah there is actually a bit more than i thought but all of that definitely went over my head growing up with it like obviously of course yeah yeah yeah, as as a kid and i could say the same thing that wasn't the first thing i thought of but the way the storytelling and the way they do it it is like i thought about it now as an adult i'm like it's like it kind of prepped you Mm. to learn a little bit about i don't really know how to word it but the parallels are so like on point it's like i learned about oh yeah those are bad people because they do that and good people fight for justice like like they those underlying themes i don't even know if they're underlying they're pretty over they were pretty on on point with it they made Hmm. you aware like oh yeah like this is what we do when there's people like that we try to rise up and take over and take back something that's ours for the people it gives that Mm. that uh sense of like right and wrong and hope because i know hope was a was a big part of the star wars thing and that's like obviously that's like the the kind of simple way to put it thinking back but as a adult you know you get to actually like look and think about the uh complexity of it i'm like okay it's way more complex than just good versus bad and for a little kid for a little kid they 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 hide they show that stuff pretty well and it's really easy to digest at least it was for me you definitely made me think about it more now i feel like i need to go back to the original trilogy and just rewatch oh, yeah. it in a completely different um, mm-hmm. way but hey that's the best part i think it, it yeah, comes exactly. with when you when you, I, I i try to rewatch the originals i try to i try to rewatch all the movies every year or so you know mm. it's kind of just those are comfort films yeah. and i always find something new whether it's a little thing or not you know yeah and i guess you go into it with slightly different eyes as well you know like knowing yeah oh, now I know that character from something else. You know, maybe when you first watched it the first time, they were completely alien to you. And now, you know, having watched a bunch of other stuff, you have more empathy for them or, you know, kind of know where they're sort of going. 
Exactly. Should we move on to your second pick? Yeah, before we move on to your second pick, I just realised that I did do a little bit of prequel bashing there, or or rather um, Phantom Menace bashing. However, your second pick, I think we can probably agree, is probably the absolute best thing to come from the Phantom Menace. Probably one of the best. So the second choice is uh, Dark Maul. Everyone knows Dark Maul. Oh, yeah. You know, you could could be a a casual fan, a deep stan... Barely know Star Wars, but you know that character. And you know, I, I know for a fact that when he came out in Phantom Menace, he was just one of the most, like, uh, what's a word to describe how, like, not gruesome, but like just the most, like, I guess, cunning. Like, you said characters. gnarly earlier. Gnarly? Gnarly earlier. I gnarly mean, is Mal, a good way Mal's to put it. pretty gnarly, isn't he? He's gnarly, but. This is one of your tattoos, right? This is one. I have, I have a Darth Maul of tattoo. Course. I have a Darth Maul tattoo. Of course, tattoo. yeah. Just the way he looked and the introduction to like, because his species with the horns, the Zabrax, they have the horns coming out and they just have the the way they're, it's not tattoos, it's just the way they're, I think people think they're tattoos, but those are just their skin. Mm-hmm. Just that, it just, he just looks scary. He looks like a villain. Like there's no mm-hmm. doubt. So that's why as a little kid, I was like, man, I'm freaked out by this guy. Everyone was. But then, you know, I got older. I'm like, oh yeah, like I, I love this, this character because... He's the, the classic villain. Like, you know, without a doubt, he's the bad guy, you know? But then you go into the, the Clone Wars and you go, you know, they go more into a story. I mean, he's clearly one of the coolest characters in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. He looks amazing. He has a double-sided lightsaber, which is maybe the coolest thing I still maybe have ever seen in cinema, possibly. Oh, yeah. And he was the first character to have one, obviously not in the Star Wars timeline, but that the audience oh no that we we saw and i I but i I do remember being very very gutted when he i'm gonna say no it's not spoiler he dies he dies at the end of uh phantom menace and knowing that he wouldn't be a character through the move through the three you know like darth darth vader kind of was for the first three Mm. i think was really was really sad because he's so good and he's he's a badass and I wanted to know more. And obviously, like you said then, and I, like since then, you know, his character has been explored a lot more and he did kind of come back because he's a Sith Lord and he's a badass um, and cutting him in half won't stop him. But through the books and uh, through the Clone War and also his very brief appearance in um, the film Solo. Yeah. I think he's definitely someone that deserved this kind of second life so to speak in terms of star wars fans it wasn't just this one movie sort of thing yeah it was um so i guess he didn't actually die i know he did die but he like he lived but it was cool i think i was gonna say that scene where he just opens up the dual lightsabers that is one of the coolest movie scenes ever in my opinion like that's yeah. got to be the the just the most awesome but yeah his his story and explored like that was amazing because you come to find out He's just got the sad, one of the saddest stories, probably. Obviously, it, he's a villain, and so I don't have the empathy or, for in that regard. But like him just trying to continuously get up there, but keeps getting pushed down. That's sad. It's yeah, it's messed up. Some of the Jedi, some of the people that knew what was going on, they're like, we have the same goal. We want to take down the same person, but no one's gonna believe Maul because he was a villain. Before we move on from from Darth, I I, I did read that. George Lucas had, had intended for him to kind of come back and be the big bad guy for the uh, the recent sequels, the recent Star Wars sequels. But 
when Star Wars was bought by Disney, they kind of shelved it and went a completely different way. I'm not so. I mean, I'm happy that we had the sequels, and you know, whatever people think of them, I think there's some good stuff in in them, definitely. But it would have been really cool <laughs> if we'd had a trilogy with Darth yeah. Maul as the bad guy, the big bad guy. I would have preferred that to Emperor Palpatine, which is effectively what we got. And I mean, you know, I don't want to be controversial or anything like that, but. I don't really like Emperor Palpatine as a villain. I think he's really one-dimensional and a little dull, and I find it a little too pantomime, whereas with Darth Maul and Darth Vader, I actually find them genuinely quite scary in a sort of, you know, you certificate, PG certificate sort of way. So I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if that was, like, what they went with instead of, but um, that seems like an odd choice to me personally. I mean, maybe it's only me who... It's not too keen on Palpatine, but it sort of uh, did spoil my enjoyment of that last one quite a bit. (laughs) Um, I don't know your things on that. The thing is, Palpatine is, yeah, I think he is a bit one-dimensional. I I like him as a villain. He's not my favorite villain, though. He's not like my, and it's like, his goal is the same the entire time. It's kind of just like. He's just evil. He's just evil. He's just it's evil. not it's not like Darth Maul. There's there's layers mm. to Darth Maul where it's like Exactly. It's not just evil. You know, even when he died, he still was like you know, when Obi-Wan killed him, spoilers, he was like talking about the chosen one, talking about Luke. Mm. He's like he is the chosen one, he's like he will he'll get revenge for us all, basically. You know, he'll be the person to, to save us. Mm. Even then he had like it was just like wow. You know, there's so much to his character more than just being an evil person. Palpatine's just evil the entire time, and he has only yeah. one goal: is just to take over. Yeah, cool character, but kind of you know, kind of boring to me. Yeah, that's that's all my point is really. I mean, before we move on from Darth Maul, I think we do need to acknowledge whenever you see the best fight scenes um, from any Star Wars film, TV series, whatever, it is very very common, and I think correctly even now even with the sequels that we've had and the spin-offs it is very common that the the lightsaber duel that is considered the most impressive and the best is but the one between Qui-Gon Jinn Obi-Wan and Darth Maul I would generally agree agree with that assessment I'm just wondering how you two feel about that uh, first. oh duel of the fates is one of the best Star Wars lightsaber fights I mean by far one of the best I, and there's a lot of great battles yeah. in history particularly now pretty now but that still stands as one of the best uh yeah and i think um obviously on screen you don't get a sense of how long they're fighting for but they're fighting for hours like mm. they're fighting for so long same thing with the the anakin and obi-wan fight but that that fight in particular that was wild that was a wild yeah. fight it's still extraordinary 24 years on yeah yeah i mean darth Maul played by ray park uh, he did like and voiced by Peter Serafinowicz bizarrely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean Ray Park was amazing. You know, like pretty much a stunt guy, pretty much like a fight specialist, kind of brought in to kind of embody Darth Maul. He was the go-to guy for that kind of thing. In yeah, the late he, 90s, was, he, early was 90s, then, yeah. he was then he was then in the X Men. Um, yeah, he was Toad. He was Toad in X Men with his with his tongue. <laughs> I did always felt sorry for him because he's like literally the worst X Men. Anyway, this X Men yeah, is yeah. a whole other whole other story. Whole other thing. Um, but yeah, Ray Park was amazing, and I yeah, think fantastic. 
I, I yeah, I, I I was really happy that Darth Maul was brought back in Solo. And when I went to see the cinema, I don't think the audience were fully on board with the film. But when Darth Maul, again, spoiler, Darth Maul um, appears uh, at the end when he's talking to Kira, the audience gasped. Like, oh yeah. But it was an ex- it was an excitable gasp, you know, like like a an acknowledgement of of something awesome. Gasp, like. <gasps> I don't know if it that, was if I'm able to like portray that gasp in audio medium, but it was amazing. And uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's just it is such a shame we didn't have a trilogy with him because he would have been right. Yeah, he would have been sick. Wait, did um, you say you said people didn't like Solo over there? Well, no, no, no. Uh, did people like Solo? I think it was seen I'm gonna, as a I, bit... I don't like Solo. I'm going to say right now, and you can come. See, I really, I, I really I like mind. Solo. I really, I really liked it. I saw, it, I saw it in the cinema twice. I really liked it, and I think. The actor who played Han Solo did an amazing job. I, he sort of disappeared. Which Hans really, Enric, isn't it? Uh, some, I can't remember. I, can't I, I thought remember. he did it. He did an amazing job. The set pieces are great. The supporting cast is amazing. Like, right. I mean, T- Tandy Newton is is like she's just in it for ten minutes. She's fucking brilliant. Um, I think over here it was people were a little bit at the point of like where they are with Marvel films at the moment. I think it was yeah. just it had just reached the point where saturation level like they wanted to see donald glover play lambda corisian but they didn't need a whole movie but right. i really liked it i really liked it and that moment when i was in the cinema that was the moment where people were like what yeah i i, I remember um when it came out it wasn't very liked and then i remember after that is when people really got on board with it there's a couple of those like anthology movies that have the uh, it's either people love it or people no, no, no. Solo is kind of half and half because Rogue One, people love. Rogue One's amazing. I adore. I yeah, love I love Rogue yeah. One. Not a fan of Solo. Personally. Exactly. That's the general consensus. Everyone loves Rogue yeah. One. Solo yeah. is split in half. I'm on the side where I like I like Solo. I didn't like the person they had play Han Solo. But I will say, yeah. only because of looks. But I will say mm-hmm. this, like, although he didn't look like him, everything about him embodied Han Solo. Like, his essence embodied it even though he didn't sound like him none of that but i was like this feels like hansel and that's what made me that's what kind of brought me on board i'm like all right you may not look and sound like him but you feel like him and that's all i need to yes to enjoy the movie so that's why i'm like which made me enjoy it more and when when Maul was in it i was like yeah this is awesome the actor Alden Einrich, it is not Hans Einrich, I'm not sure where I got that from. It's clear that he studied um, Harrison Ford's performances and his mannerisms and stuff like that. And he did do a really good job of uh, all of that, undoubtedly. There's really good things in Solo. I think the saturation thing that Matt is talking about, I mean, that definitely was beginning to sit in a little bit for me. I was uh, At that point, I felt like it was beginning to every movie was like diminishing returns i feel differently now because the the tv series that are going on at the moment i think a lot of them are really extraordinary i mean the mandalorian's my absolute favorite star wars thing probably since the original trilogy personally one of the best um, yeah yeah it's extraordinary isn't it but um and lando how good is lando like that show is amazing it's it's a different thing every single every three episodes it's like oh it's a heist movie no 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 it's not it's yeah. something it's it's so good i, I was astounded wait, wait. landau which show not landau uh, sorry no andor. Had... andor andor no. sorry andor andor, andor. andor. but so lando good. is getting a show oh really lando is getting a show though yeah or at least they announced it a while back 
they it might not be anytime soon but i remember he was getting his own solo show with donald glover playing yeah it is with donald glover cool so yeah lando will get his own show i can't wait for that but um andor is great though a lot of people did not like andor because they thought it was too slow but a lot of star wars fans loved andor because they -hmm. showed a different side of star wars and i i at first wasn't on board but by the time i got to the end i was like you know what everything about the same thing with the set designs with the characters the way they go into the stories it's like what i like about star wars is that they build i love character development some star wars fans and i think you could just say some fans of just anything sometimes wanting to skip to like the whatever like the the cool scenes are whatever like the the battles and whatnot but these sort of things are some of the best parts about stars i don't know i i I completely agree and i I actually think that's quite a nice way to go into your um final pick as well i know yeah yeah, it all it all comes comes uh, it all comes around. Yeah, comes around. <laughs> the final pick is my all time favorite Star Wars character, one of the best Star Wars characters in my opinion. Got a lot of hate when she came out. Got a lot, a lot of hate. Probably endured the most hate, um, and then became a beloved character. It's Ahsoka Tano, former Jedi, was introduced to us in the Clone Wars movie back in two thousand eight. Uh, came to the scene as Anakin's Padawan. Um, Everyone thought she was annoying. Like everyone thought she was annoying. And once the time for the Clone Wars TV show came in, her character blossomed there, like developed full blown, you know. Everyone loved her. Everyone loved her. She is one of the best characters, one of the greatest fighters, one of the coolest. As I'm not as familiar with the Clone Wars, I haven't seen the Clone Wars film. I don't know if you are, Matt, but what what was the uh, negative reaction towards her when she first appeared in 2008? Why was that? It would definitely be that she was, people said she was annoying, that she was this annoying character that was just kind of picking at Anakin as you know, she, you know, she was um, assigned to him, basically. He didn't even ask for it. And that she was this character that came in and just was like, kind of being bossy and kind of being annoying. And that's where people immediately were like, oh, we don't like her. And then on top of that, people were sexist. So they really just had, you know, all those things. That classic combined. double whammy. <laughs> that that classic, classic double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> so all that combined, it's like they didn't even give her a chance to to, uh, to develop. They, they just immediately, after that movie, they were just like, nope. You know, and then when she came back into the TV show, she still had that kind of annoying vibe that kind of just like bossy like i'm gonna do whatever i want vibe but then i don't think people realize that's what anakin was doing as a padawan he did whatever he wanted he disobeyed anything obi-wan said yeah and she was under him so i'm just like what did you like at at the end of the day i guess when she first came in you know she came in on her own she was a little bit cocky and she got humbled a little bit but at the same time, still kept a little bit of that Anakin vibe where she would go off and disobey and would just do her own thing. But that's kind of what Anakin taught her to do. Anakin kind of was like, you need to trust your instincts at the end of the day. And that's what she did. And that saved her, literally. You know, she, she eventually was less cocky. She was eventually less annoying. And she became, you know, she became more centered. And then on top of that, she was a literal teenager. She was like 13 when she came in and was introduced. And by the time we saw her at the end, you know, she was like about 15, 16, 17, somewhere there. Mm. So she was a kid growing up also. And that's like very relatable. That's the same thing that Anakin did. When he was a kid, he was, yeah. you know. But also, yeah. I, I he, he came into the scene as a Jedi when he was 11. So he was a little old. 
because you're supposed to be brought in when you're like a little baby you know he came in too old and she just was you know she was thrown into the mix of the action too young too i think but she held her own at the end of the day and people changed opinions about her when they saw her and her journey and she as she started to step away from just being this annoying sort of bossy person but to being like this amazing character that consistently saved the day even for a character that that i've not seen that much it's a very iconic look like you know what i mean so yeah when, when she turns up in spoiler the mandalorian um, right. tv show played by rosara dawson and obviously she's gonna have a new she's the new big star wars tv show which looks really <laughs> really really good um on disney at some oh point. yeah yeah I, I i didn't i didn't really know anything about her and i've kind of had a little look back um and seen some kind of nerdy videos and there seems to be an incredibly interesting storyline with her and canon jarrus yes there is involving fights with darth vader and pulling her through some kind of life portal or oh just... yeah i know what you're, yeah 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 i mean i just I want to know more about this character. And I think of, of the three, obviously I knew a little bit about Darth Maul, but not as much. This is the character that I'm the most excited about. The TV show obviously is going to go big. Oh yeah. And, and she's going to become a massive kind of part of the universe properly as she, as she deserves. But I think from the three, for me, this is the one I'm kind of most excited about just because I know so little about her. Right. No, it, it's, it's amazing to, cause I think her getting her own show just made sense. And to people that don't know her, there's years and years where we've had to sit with this character and learn about this character and love this character. So I, that's why I always implore people to go out and watch Clone Wars and watch because and Rebels, because as these new shows come out, some people might be confused as to why or they'll only know her from The Mandalorian. I'm like, of course, she was amazing. But like, if you go back and just watch these shows, you'll see why they're getting this the shine they do. So. I remember the first time when they announced that she was going to be live action. It was rumored at the time. And I was just like, this is a character that I have lived with for now almost a decade where I'm just like, I've only ever seen her as a cartoon. And she made her appearance in Clone Wars. Then she was in Rebels. It's just like her story is wild because she was one of she was she left the Jedi Order before Order 66. So she left like and saw how corrupt it was. If you watch the Clone Wars, you'll see like Ahsoka got wrongly accused of a crime she didn't commit. Jedi Council turned her back, turned their back on her. Anakin didn't. Anakin was believed her the entire time. But because of that scenario and she was proven not guilty, she was like, if they don't trust me, then who's gonna trust me? Mm. And something I read puts her somewhere beyond being just a Jedi. There's something else about her like almost a spiritual side of yeah. her personality her character her her strength that kind of pushes her beyond you know i'm saying it in quote marks just a jedi knight and becoming something more and i think that's what i'm so excited about the tv show you know where it's going to sit oh, yeah. in, in kind of the timeline i mean i'm guessing it's going to fall in and around the timeline of now just because she's been in you know another show with the mandalorian uh training grogu it's dope because she you know, when she stopped being a Jedi Knight, she still is a Force user. And the thing about the Force is that it isn't limited to Jedi or Sith. It's cool to see Force users that, and they call them Grey Jedi, just they give them that title, but I don't like the Grey Jedi term, per se. 
because if you're just a force user you're not just limited to the studies of the jedi or the sith you're just you use the force you know and mm. however that may look sometimes there might be times where it calls for a little bit of the dark side sometimes it's a little bit of the light she was able to you know tread the line a little bit kind of like mace windu did kind of like qui-gon did you know they were able to tread the line a little bit but mace windu and qui-gon were still jedi regardless and ahsoka did not claim that title at a certain point i, I think i'd really like to point out the fact that someone else who's a massive massive fan of this character is rosario dawson herself um yeah. and she expressed an interest uh in playing the character as early as 2017 and i think um once that happened there was an awful lot of fan support for that to happen i can imagine you were sort of one of those people whether you uh, ask for it publicly or privately we're just thinking oh yeah that would be amazing uh, were you one of those people as well yeah no i i, I needed it i needed it because at that, that time <laughs> just, and especially when the time when they announced that it was going to be live action and it was rumored that in season two she was going to come and all this i was like yes this it's time for her to get a debut it's time like it's been time for her to be live action and there's a bigger story to tell there other than just her character because it obviously gives a gateway to um, Anakin Skywalker. It's just like people want Anakin back. And people loved him when he came back for Obi-Wan. And they're like, we need more, you know? They want Hayden Christensen. And what better to do than to have Clone Wars flashbacks with Anakin and Ahsoka. That relationship was just too epic. And people want more, you know? people want, And they yeah. want to see that live action. And I would love, to, I'm one of those people who are like, I would love to see that live action. And I loved when Rosario came in. I was hyped on that. And and I know they've rumored that they're going to have a young Rosario Dawson, or not, a, a young Ahsoka. And I believe they had talked about, I think they cast someone already, but I can't remember if that's official or not. But they were talking about it. And that means if they're going to have a younger Ahsoka, they're going to bring back Hayden at some point. And in that show, they will have Clone Wars flashbacks, stuff showing her character development for the people that aren't caught up on clone wars they're going to get a chance to see the younger side and and why she's as important of a character as she is there we go i don't need to watch the clone yeah. wars i just have to wait and watch this show that will that will fill in all of those <laughs> blanks for me that and this podcast it might. that's all i need <laughs> it, it may but it's going to be an awesome show regardless people are going to enjoy it and rosario yeah. uh did an amazing job in the mandalorian book of boba all that so I'm yeah. excited yeah. to see her yeah. return for her own show. And I've been waiting for this for a long time. So Certainly, like, um, I mean, I, I really adored The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, I thought was very good in, as well. You know, she makes appearances in both of those. And she's certainly one of the most memorable parts of both of those shows in, in, in several ways. You know, Mandalorian in particular is just really fantastic. So to even stand out amongst that is um, pretty incredible. But um, she's clearly someone who has a lot of vocal support from the fan base yeah she did and i'm happy that she did because again people love this character and people adore this character and i was one of them and so whoever was going to step into that role needed to do it justice and she 100 percent did yeah and i'm i'm happy that she got the love she got you know That's awesome. Thank you so much for that, Anaya. That was absolutely fantastic. I think we should move on over to a recommendation corner. Matt, 
I'm going to ask you for your recommendation first, if that's okay. Sure. This week, I'm going to I'm going to keep it brief because I want to go downstairs and watch Clone Wars. <laughs> I am going to recommend a TV show. It's on Disney Plus in the UK. I've no idea what it is in the States, but it's a TV show called Fleischman is in Trouble. And it's a story about a guy called Toby Fleischman, who's played by Jesse Eisenberg. And it's about his divorce from his wife, Rachel, who's played by Claire Danes after 10 years of marriage and they have two kids and blah, blah, blah. And there's also a narrator called Libby, who's played by Lizzie Kaplan. So far, it's sounding like the most boring TV show in the world, but it... The TV show all starts when Toby wakes up and his ex-wife has dropped off the children overnight and put them in his flat and buggered off and he can't get hold of her. He calls and he texts and he and he and he literally he can't get hold of her and he's a doctor and he has no idea what to do and the show then plays out what do you what do you do? What do you do when when you can't get hold of you know what happens? And for a few shows, I'm not going to give too much away, but for the first few episodes, it's all about being angry with the person. How dare they do this? What are they doing? You know, where, where have they gone? And then is it slowly kind of reveals, maybe you should be asking some other questions like, is there something wrong? Is this person in need of help? It doesn't sound like a funny show, but it's an incredibly funny show. Really smart. It's based on a book of the same name and it's actually developed by the, by the author as well. It's like a mini series. It's like eight episodes and it's fantastic like we blitzed it me and my wife katie just sat down and we blitzed it and i can't recommend it highly enough like i said all of the stuff i'm saying makes it sound boring and 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 a bit deep and dark but it's not and there's a whole other side story where toby kind of discovers this whole new world of being a man with money in his 30s 40s where there are dating apps and he's able to go and have a lot of fun in a city like New York. And it asks a lot of questions about friendship groups and what happens when you grow up and you move away from friends and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. Fleischman is in trouble. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I um, I don't know anything about it apart from what you've just said there. So thank you very much for that. That's good. My recommendation is going to be a film which came out oh, over here um, not too long ago. I think it's just finished its run in the cinemas now, but it's Infinity Pool. It's by Brandon Cronenberg, son of David. Brandon is very much his father's son. I mean, if someone had told me that Infinity Pool was the new David Cronenberg film. I wouldn't have been surprised at all. There's a lot of sort of similarities with body horror and uh, science fiction themes. The thing that we were talking about earlier regarding this conversation in terms of like how science fiction can be hold a mirror up to reality. Uh, it's very much that's what this is about. It's um, ugh, really difficult to explain what it's about actually i'm gonna see what imdb's synopsis of it is because imdb are usually quite good at doing synopsis which don't spoil stuff so it's about a novelist and his wife they're enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in the fictional island of latolka when a fatal accident exposes the resort's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism reckless violence and surreal horrors well yes that's probably the easiest way to describe it in one sentence but as you can imagine it being a sort of Cronenberg style film it goes uh, absolutely bonkers quite quickly and is um you know reminded me very much of Lynchian type things and all that sort of thing as well very surreal in places but this film 
it's had very mixed reviews if i'm honest and i completely see why because it's so stylistic and so odd in many places i'm trying not to say too much because i really do feel like the less you know the better pretty violent pretty gruesome so you know if that's not your thing you know maybe give this one a pass but there's some pretty gross stuff in it pretty bonkers imagery my housemate just suggested that we watch it i was like yeah okay fine and the next hour and a half was a absolutely wild ride and you know it's 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 a flawed film but in terms of something that stayed with me for a long, 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 long time and something that I thought about for a long time afterwards, Infinity Pool is is, is probably probably the film that stayed with me the most since uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which me and Matt, we've discussed a lot on this podcast already. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, fantastic film. So uh, this is very different to that. But um, in terms of like something like really sticking with you and you're thinking about the themes afterwards and all that sort of stuff, I haven't seen a film that's done that as much since since this. So that's my recommendation this week. Anaya, what's your recommendation? I was going to briefly talk about the new Jesus Beast record that came out. I don't know if you guys... Oh, oh nice. Please do. Please yeah, please do. do. That's Beast. perfect. Did you guys listen to So Unknown by any chance, the new record that just came out? Or you guys heard any of the tracks? I've only heard it once, but I really liked it. And I like Jesus Peace anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much to say on it because I don't know how to describe. It was an amazing record. It was heavy. There was parts of it that, like, the songwriting structures were just... It was it was definitely next level. It was definitely different. They stepped out like, and I only say this because I got to talk to them about a little bit about the record while we were on mm-hmm. tour together for a month and a half. But the way they stepped away from their like not stepped away from their traditional writing, but like kind of stepped out of the box a little bit to give some of these things. It just is so well written. It's it's a well written record, and it's something that I was just like, wow. Like I got to hear a lot of this, you know, the the singles and one or two of the new songs on the tour that we were on with them, and I was just like. I want to be able to write songs that well. And that album just is just a well-written album, heavy as heck. And I love to hear the range that Aaron was hitting vocally because it goes to show, you know, you can do it all, whether it's high or low. That inspires me too, because I talked to him a lot on this tour about doing that. And, he, you know, he put me on game uh, vocally because as you guys know, I'm traditionally a drummer. So it was cool to get to hear how he, how he um, went about the process of doing it. And I got to sit in on an interview with the guys where they were talking about the guitar tones and the way they were talked about playing the songs um, on that record. And it was just, everyone was trying new stuff on that album. And it was very inspiring to hear it. And they stepped into this slightly, you know, this just more not realized sound because the first, you know, only self was definitely like, it was heavy, but this just was something about this. It's it, it sets it apart from the other records, you know. Despite only having heard it once, and that's only because of time. Of I, course, I, yeah. You know, I, it's it's really clear to me that this album's a big step up from only self. I really liked only self. Yeah, I did too. Same. Yeah, it's a really good record. But if I'm honest, it was another good record in a scene which is doing a lot of really exciting stuff at the moment. You know, I think it's sort of like Code Orangey, Veiny, well, Zulu up to a degree, and, you know, that kind of 
bonkers hardcore and there's so much amazing stuff coming out of that scene that when only self came out i was like this is a really good record but it's just another great record in this scene so unknown is clearly a step up um, yeah. i've i've yet to assess for myself how much of a step up it is because i've only listened to it once but it is it, from the first listen it was clearly yeah they, they and, and the fact that they took five years between those records i know we've had a pandemic yada 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 but i feel like they took that time probably partly because of the pandemic but also because they wanted to really like they didn't just want to crap out another record you know of course and i think that shows i think that really shows so yeah that's a great recommendation any more to say on uh jesus peace matt well i just think that it's a really exciting interesting time for for heavy music i guess while we have you right at the end of the podcast to talk about you know obviously you are in it and i and you've just done a tour with a bunch of incredible bands you know that are probably at the forefront of it it really feels like hardcore. I mean, I'm going to say hardcore in the very loosest sense of the word. Heavy, interesting music yeah. that has elements of a bunch of different yeah. sort of genres and sounds. It feels like it's having a real moment, not just in terms of creativity and the excitement of the kind of number of releases, but also just in terms of popularity. I mean, the growth over here in the UK especially is is phenomenal. And I, I wondered... Is there a place you can kind of point to seeing that interest kind of growing or is it just a culmination of albums and labels and tours and releases and festivals that have grown up the last sort of over the last five, ten years or whatever? Wait, the question was like seeing it, where the hell is this interest yeah. come from? <laughs> you like, know, do you think do yeah. you, like, do, like, do you think uh, is Turnstile? <laughs> the starting point of of this crossover not of the not of the creativity not of making music that sounds like that but in terms of an acceptance and an interest in the kind of scene yeah is turnstile that turning point are they kind of that band that you know i guess in a similar way nirvana did with grunge or whatever are they that band that sort of drags people's eyes onto all this other amazing music around it i think so i've talked about this a lot still a current topic because it's still growing and growing and like i look at it like they're that band that did that that really piqued people's interest in hardcore it even got them you know to to ask what it is you know if you ask me i like that it's that it's going where it's going because it's getting the recognition it deserves a lot of people want to keep it underground and always you know i do agree like hardcore to a sense should always be an underground thing or it should have that element but it's cool to see people being able to branch out and show people what we've been doing all this time, you know, and what we're still yeah. doing. And I, I, I personally, I'm just like, I think it was Turnstile was the, was the band that did that. That and like TikTok really did it. Don't stand TikTok. <laughs> I don't have TikTok. I don't use TikTok, but that definitely is, to my knowledge, what spread it even more. And I was just like, okay, yeah. well... Because that's who those are the kids that are coming out to the shows now. Um, it's cool, you know. If anyone, however, people find music, absolutely. Any any way, any way that we could get people in front of bands yeah. and artists and music, any way at all, you know. I mean, I'm 47, so TikTok is like a completely different planet to me. But any way 
that you know musicians and fans can come together and and find find themselves i think is exciting and in, exactly and, and a way a way that we should be investing our interests and efforts into yeah i don't i didn't mean to be sniffy about tiktok i just oh I just, no, no I, I just don't i just i just don't get it i just don't i don't know how to use it i don't i don't use it on my day-to-day so um but i'm oh, yeah. excited that it exists i'm not a tiktok user at all i don't have the app i don't use it i'm very everyone knows like i'm not on it like that i, don't, I would probably never either but I, I do recognize that that's where a lot of people, you know, especially after the past couple of years where they were able to find different subcultures, you know, they're able to learn about other things, you know, especially music. It could be tough to have found this genre or any, you know, any, anything that you consider cool. It's, it'd be tough to find if there wasn't social media, if there wasn't that, you know. Now, in this generation, I know that's, what, that's how everyone is finding stuff, which is cool. However they find it, you know. Thank you so much, Anaya, for being on the podcast and for your yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you guys. Heck yeah, I had a thank you for taking the time out. Of course, that's brilliant. And there we have it. There was Anaya Lee from Zulu on his top three favorite Star Wars characters. I mean, that was some deep, deep stuff. Canon Jarrus, Darth Maul, and Ahsoka Tano. I mean, I hadn't even heard of. I hadn't even heard of Canon Jarrus before this. I'll I'll admit to you. Yeah, I mean, w- just great choices. And um, yeah, I I mean, obviously doing some prep for the podcast, so I knew all three characters. I didn't know that much about Canon Jarrus. Mm. Uh, so have kind of watched a bunch of slightly nerdy videos detailing his kind of Star Wars universe life, and it's ah. fascinating. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and as I say in the chat, I have started to watch. I've nearly finished the first season, actually, of The Bad Batch, which is on Disney+. Plus. And um, he's a character that's in it very, very early for a very short period of time. And it was funny that it was... I watched it just before we we kind of done and recorded the chat with Anaya. Um, and that was my one tiny piece of knowledge, <laughs> knowing that he'd been in The Bad Batch, uh, a cartoon that was released like two <laughs> years ago for like a minute at the beginning. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll try and get those YouTube videos and put them in the show notes. So, great shout! Uh, yeah, people yeah. can check them out there. Matt, speaking about great shouts, why don't we uh, go over to our top three Tuesdays and uh, take a look at what the people have been saying? Indeed, indeed. I think this this week because we had so many top threes in our wonderful quickfire top three podcast thank you very much for everyone's lovely comments about that by the way. Um, I thought I'd keep this week super super norm norm mm-hmm. as to reflect our uh, lack of Star Wars knowledge before we went into um, this chat with Anaya. <laughs> so I asked people if they could tell me their top three biscuits. Oh, lovely. Yeah. There's quite a lot of repetition and there were a lot of replies to this. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go on. I'm just going to, you know, pick some highlights. So Swamp Coffin, hello, Swamp Coffin, has gone with Fig Roll, Chocolate Digestive and Rich Tea with Butter on it. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. A rich I'm not a fan of fig rolls either, if I'm honest. But, yeah. uh, okay. Right, now, Ryan, I now know how to say your name. A-Strike. Yeah! Hi! Uh, has gone with Oreo, Vienna Fingers, mm. and a Biscoff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Biscoff is... Uh, yeah, yeah, we've discussed Biscoff on this show before. We have. Vienna Fingers, are they... 
the little squishy things that you use to make trifles uh, and tiramisu's no, with? No, no, no. I think those are sponge fingers. I think Vienna fingers is, is the they're a, a crunchy biscuit and they have a little thin slither of chocolate in between mm, them. I they sound think delightful. I would like all of them now. It's sort of like a Viennese um, well, sort of. I think. What was that? What was the first word? Well, Viennese okay, as well. Yeah, yeah. A via needle well. Yeah, as, as, um, as people can probably tell, I'm not much of an expert on biscuits, believe it or not. <laughs> now, I'm sure this isn't your real name, so you won't get offended by the fact that I'm going to not say this correctly. Birinalia, <laughs> and if it is your real name, that's awesome. Yeah. Birinalia has said bourbon rich tea custard cream. Boom, boom, boom. Classic, classic, classic. John Housley, hello, John, has said chocolate hobnob, uh, which would be in my top three. They're stunning. Uh, fig rolls in moderation and a jammy dodger in moderation due to the um the toilet times i'm assuming what well i mean maybe i was thinking more just i was just thinking more that you know it could be a bit yeah maybe we'll go with that it's because he he needs to poo uh rich hello rich has gone chocolate hobnob uh, another one uh chocolate malted biscuit mm-hmm. no sorry chocolate malted milk mm-hmm and a bourbon biscuit. And he says, is it apparent I like chocolate? Yes, it is. Because chocolate's bloody great. Yeah. Wow. The wonderful Jock O'Callaghan, yeah. uh, previous guest on this pod, uh, mm-hmm. has gone with a hobnob, jammy dodger, and Jaffa Cakes. And then she says, I went there. Jaffa Cakes is a biscuit or not a biscuit, Renfrey. Which side of this <sighs> hot, hotly debated topic do you stand? It's not something I've really cared enough about for the purpose a... <laughs> of this podcast Renfrey could you please pick a side please uh it's a biscuit there we go cheer yourself deaf hello was the person that uh, ages ago told me about this incredible argentinian biscuit when we were talking about snacks or sweet treats or whatever um and they're called alpha jurus do you remember we had this conversation a yes, while ago yes this does ring a bell yeah and i went and bought some they're called livo well the company's called livo and they make them and they're like they're kind of like um, wagon wheels, but awesome. They're like wagon wheels, but they've got um, a Dolce de Leche in the middle. Oh, wow. Thick chocolate, and some of them have kind of like a meringue around them. They're amazing, and I, you have to go to a special website on the internet to buy them. Really? And, uh, yeah, they're wicked. They're really... They're... You need to send me that link, because uh, the idea yeah. of wagon wheels but good is pretty much... that. I think that would be my ideal biscuit. Because, yeah. you know, biscuit covered in chocolate, marshmallow in the middle, a little bit of jam as well. If you get a little bit of jam. Ones. A little bit of jam. I, I mean, that all sounds amazing. But the ingredients that, uh, is it McVitie's? I don't know. Wh- whatever company makes it, they're just all so crap that you end up with just like a piece of cardboard with a bit of chocolate around it. Yeah, they're very dusty cardboard. Yeah. yeah Alpha Juris yeah. are amazing. So, okay. yes, Chew Yourself Deaf has, um, has chosen Alpha Juris along with chocolate hobnobs and those delicious Fox's Deluxe chocolate chip things ones i think i know the ones yeah i think they I come in the ones. little fancy tray you know yes. little tray things and yes. you pick them out and yes they're like at fancy parties yeah daniel hello daniel hello daniel has gone bourbon biscuit dark chocolate digestive and a chocolate chip cookie nice well and then someone else came on the internet and said oh a chocolate chip cookies like a biscuit and I, i'm pretty sure it is i'm pretty sure it is i mean i mean that's, that's... come on isn't i mean isn't cookie just the American word for biscuit, effectively. That's I don't know. What I always thought. What does that make nookie? <laughs> What's the difference between a nookie and a cookie? Can you get a cookie nookie? It's just a letter, or a nookie I cookie. Think. 
jobs. Um, <laughs> um, and Snooky. Who's Snooky? Does I, she eat cookies with her nookie? I don't know. Uh, I'm going slightly insane. Dan Rowlinson. Hello, Dan. Uh, likes to keep it simple with chocolate chip cookie. That's a cookie again. <laughs> uh, chocolate digestive and also a ginger nut. Ginger nuts. I like a ginger yeah, nut. With, ginger a, with a cup of tea, though. It's yes. got to be with a cup of tea. Absolutely. Yes. Sai and the Enter Shikari symbol. That's his... Mm-hmm. That's his um, handle. Hello, Sai, enter Shikari symbol. Um, has gone Biscoff, Biscoff sandwich, custard cream. Close fourth for a bourbon. Very Lovely. Nice. My friend Ian Mogford. Hello, Ian. Has gone dark chocolate hobnobs, balsam dark Liebniz. Eight. I think I said that completely wrong. Okay. And then the little knockoff McVitie's dark digestives. He enjoys the chocolate of the dark variety. Mm. Uh, all right, I'm just going to do two more. Carfinity, hello, Carl. has gone chocolate hobnob, shortbread biscuits, and those, again, Leibniz milk biscuit thingies. The lovely thick wafers and then the lovely thick chocolate in the middle. First shout out for shortbread there, though. It is a first. Well, well noticed. I adore a short. I love a shortbread. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I can take with it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end on my wonderful wife, Katie. Hello. And she's gone triple choc cookies, dark digestives, and rich tea. I do not see the point of rich tea. I think they're com- they are like no the most bland, boring, pointless biscuit in the universe. I I find them again again sort of cardboardy, cardboardy in a different way to the wagon wheels. But um yeah, and and there's uh, no flavour. They no. don't even have a very nice texture when you chew them. When you bite them, they don't crumble, and you can't taste the butter. It's just you know this is rich tea. I mean, what well, are think, you supposed to do with them? Well, I suppose I think you're supposed to dunk them into a cup of tea, and but then... then they just taste like tea. The soggy biscuits. With tea. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like the only way to make them appeal is to make them soggy no thank you anyway on that damp note on that damp squid of a rich tea <laughs> biscuit note thanks everyone for uh continuing to contribute towards tuesday's top three or wednesday's top three when i forget or thursday's top three when i forget <laughs> and then try and add it in late but thank you very very much it's always appreciated yeah absolutely thank you very much next week on the show it will be our final proper show of the season our final, final show guest. with a guest a final guest yes yeah, yeah. Yes. Final yes. Guest i don't want to say final season. don't want to say final proper show because the actual uh, season finale is an absolute cracker we recorded that a long time oh, ago yes. it's fantastic oh, but yes. <laughs> if i don't say so myself because it is just me and you uh but yes next week's show is the last show with a guest and we have maddie from year of the knife on to talk mm. about another fantastic subject i'm going to watch the last of her three picks tonight. such a great subject it's yep. such a great subject I and maddie is awesome and Year of the Knife are an awesome, awesome band. Just toured Europe and they played the UK with Unearth as well. And um, it's a topic really dear to my heart, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not obviously going to give it anything away and we're going to save it, but it's awesome. I was so happy when we were having a back and forth with Maddie about what her top three was going to be. She came back straight away with this and I was just, I sent it to you and I was just so overjoyed. Yeah. So yeah. overjoyed. Yeah. And we were something we've been able to like both of us jump back into and re-experience and oh it's just it's just been warmth times a million it's lovely wow there we go if that makes any sense whatsoever <laughs> yeah. well next week it will so come back next monday to hear that thank you very much matt uh i will see you whoa, next whoa. week uh, wait 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 we also have something else that we need to talk about oh, i didn't realize that sorry we also need to say, on top of our live show at 2000 Trees this summer, ah. we will be gracing the stages, treading the boards at the insanely wonderful Arctangent Festival. Yes. With a live podcast. Yes. Again, 
look at us two festivals perhaps the most predictable festival booking of the, of the entire season <laughs> sure. sure yeah arctangent renfrey deadman festival yes. we're gonna be there we're gonna be there i don't think the days have been announced but we're on friday yes and uh we already have a guest lined up and we it's do. gonna be wonderful because it's a guest that we both love as a person as well and we're gonna work on what the live show is going to entail soon and we're going to present something i think that's going to be really fun and really interactive and, and awesome for for people to um to kind of come along and see so stay tuned for times and stuff but yeah we'll be on the friday morning over at the uh elephant in elephant the in stage. the bar room stage i believe elephant in the bar room stage yes yes yes, yes. fantastic okay well coming back next monday to join us for our chat with maddie and we will see you next week Thank you.